You're listening to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard, but sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week I'll interview a new guest and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. You're listening to episode 39 of the God-Centered Mom podcast. Today, we're chatting with my friend, Christy Grime. Now, Christy, I met via blogging, which a lot of my guests I do, and she has a great story of serving God using her gifts and her experience in combination uh, in amazing ways. And today, we're going to dive into some of her backstory and how she even got into Um, some of the places and some of the companies she's worked with, and then even how God's led her to where she is currently. Um, I'm hoping that her story will inspire you to consider what God has for you. Because no one, like, like Christy says in this interview, no one is just anything. God has created us all for something. And it doesn't have to be a big platform, and it doesn't have to be a big international company, and it doesn't have to be anything um, in what the world may consider big. But in God's mind, you play a vital, vital role in His eternal plan. And I um, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I want He has He has put you on this earth for this time for a purpose. And um, I know you're going to enjoy hearing her story. And, uh, and please, yeah, let me know if something strikes you from your from hearing her that you're like, wait, I never put together that I had that experience and that I'm talented in this area and that I should do this thing. So I would love to hear if um, if God's stirring anything in you and, and what you have planned to do. All right, let's get going. Hey, Christy. Okay, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Heather? I'm fine, but I think you're doing a little better. You're on a little bit. Va- you're on a little vacation. Awesome. Awesome. I am. We're on the beach and it's a great blessing and it's it's been really good family time. Well, that's so fun. I'll just let you know, like today, Dallas went from 100 to 70 degrees today. So it's probably, you know, it could be headed to Florida, but enjoy it because when you said, yeah, I just got them off the beach and they're headed to the pool. I was like, what? Are you serious? (laughs) What are they doing? What? That's so awesome. So awesome. Okay. So tell Tell everyone who's listening um, how many kids you have and uh, and where y'all are. Where you, well, not where you are right now, but where you live. <laughs> we, yeah, we have two kids, um, a son that's five and a daughter that's, I mean, I'm sorry, a son that's seven and a daughter that's five. And um, we live in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So we live in the good old South where it does go from 100 to 70, <laughs> just like that. Yes. <laughs> that's the same thing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and I have family in Birmingham, so um, I actually met Christy at a blogging conference on our way there. We met in the airport, and then I had the joy of getting to see her again when I was in Birmingham for Thanksgiving. So um, That's right. And then we've just kept getting to see each other at this conference. Um, but when I met Christy, and the reason I wanted her to come on, uh, she had this, like, giant 
YouTube or something. And I'm thinking, wow, this blogger is prepared. I don't know what she's doing, but it looks amazing. And <laughs> and I find out that she's like actually one of the vendors at the conference um, and that she worked with a company called Freeset. And right. um, OK, so before I even get into Freeset, though, I have always been curious. How did you even get into working with companies who sell goods from impoverished communities and the whole like getting women out of trafficking and all anything that you're doing and that I'm amazed that you're doing like where was your beginning what did you study in college what how did you get into this it's pretty incredible well it was the lord that I got into it I was a <laughs> biblical studies major um I had wanted to um you know go to school and then probably go to seminary and just be overseas I grew up overseas and just really I love it there. I just feel, you know, so much more at home. And where did you grow up? Where did you go? In Panama and Nicaragua in Central America. So you speak fluent Spanish? I do. So when you were in Costa Rica, I was dying laughing because that's where um, my brother was born. Really? um, Yeah. And it's just, you know, I could so see you with all of your tribe and. That's pretty funny. Oh. Toe-headed boys, because my yeah. toe-headed brother was there. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, yeah, you kind of stand out for sure, for sure. You do, you yeah. do, but it's good. So, um, so you lived overseas, a, so that's comfortable for you. Yeah, desirable. it is. Even if it's not in Central America or you know a Spanish-speaking country, there's just things that are you know somewhat the same. Just like in the states, you know, there's things that are the same no matter where you travel. In the U.S., there's some similarities no matter what. There's obviously big culture differences in some aspects, but for the most part, there's things that, you know, are just genuinely the same throughout the U.S. So I had thought I would just get a degree and then, you know, go overseas and, you know, just do some humanitarian aid stuff. I wasn't really interested in social work just because at the time when I was in school, so much of that was pointed if you were going to work like with DHR. And I wasn't really interested in doing that because I was going to be overseas. And so what's DHR? Um, Department of Human Resources. Just oh, you know, okay. if you're dealing with foster kids. Or oh, okay. So like in adoption, like, like national government. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I just wasn't. I wasn't really interested in that. And the other side of it was when I, you know, at this time frame that I was in school, everybody that you know wanted to go overseas, they were saying that you really needed to, you know, get like a seminary degree, biblical studies type major, and then go. So you'd have a good theological background you know, in your system before. And no, you know, now there really is a movement of like having some sort of, you know, international business or social entrepreneurship type background, which is, which makes a lot more sense. And, but back when you and I went to school, that wasn't really even something people were doing, let alone a degree, degree in it. I mean, I don't think people, I think people were solely focused on, let's just go give them the gospel. It wasn't really like, let's get them out of poverty, you know? Right. Right. And, the, you know, as you know, I guess Jeremy and I have been married 16 years and the longer we've been married, the more there's been a really huge shift in how you present the gospel and how you, you know, have entrance into people's lives to yeah. do so. And I would say, by and large, social entrepreneurship, which really just is um, a natural method um, financially to help people and then have a reason to have a relationship with them to present the gospel. So, you know, it's this whole philosophy of you can't tell a hungry person about Jesus because they're so hungry they can't think about anything else. And, of course, they're going to say yes because they're starving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think that the very, very, very first time I ever 
heard of the concept of a social entrepreneurship model internationally, was going to um, Friends of Friends had started a microfinance company mm-hmm. and they were giving small microfinance loans to people to start businesses. And I was like blown away. I was yeah. like, oh yeah. my heavens, of course, that makes so much sense. Like 20 yeah. bucks, 20 bucks to a gal in Africa where she can buy a sewing machine and start a business and mm-hmm. feed her family because her husband is an alcoholic or he was killed in a in a civil war. Like she can now have a business with $20 and then she repays right. the loan and then she can get a bigger loan and she goes to business classes. And like that was one model I'd seen and I'd never even heard of. And I, I was amazed. And um, so you get this degree and you get this interest. And what was your first like experience with it? Well, um, we traveled, we, we didn't have kids, so we'd been almost married 10 years. And so, you know, we, I just, my husband's a missions minister and he travels a good bit. Um, and so I just would go with him a lot. And I had, I was working at a, a at a place that was like a miniature 10,000 villages. Okay. So 10,000 villages is Mennonite and serve as Methodist. And, um, this, this was called world crafts and it's Southern Baptist. And so I had had the opportunity to work there and just from, like, you know, the ground up started as a secretary and then, you know, sort of moved up and became like the marketer, buyer, you know, relationship, partnership person. And it was just fantastic because here I had all this cross-cultural experience. And so when there were hiccups and things, I really understood why, because I had lived overseas and understood that things have a different pace and a different tempo yeah. altogether yeah. over there. Um, and then, you know, by and large, for the most part, the people I were buying from were you know, personnel that were Americans that were over there. And, you know, I was part of their tribe. I was a, I was a product of that tribe. Yeah. So it gained a lot more, it, it instilled a lot more, I think, confidence and trust than just someone that had said, Hey, we're interested in your stuff, you know, but when you've got someone that really understands, you know, the hard days and the hard things when they don't happen the way you want them to, mm. um, it just really changes the relationship. And so, um, I worked at the time we had like 70 plus artisan groups that we worked with. And so I had bought with and from them um, a good bit and was there about 10 years. And Freeset was one of the groups that I had bought from when they had started and was just really fascinated with their model because a lot of the groups were doing, well, not a lot, all of them were doing fantastic things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were doing multifaceted things. So they were, you know, loaning money or teaching them a skill or providing employment to women that would never have an opportunity, like they had AIDS. And so there was the stigma that not only, you know, they had AIDS, but then, you know, for physical reasons, they couldn't just get up and be a housemaid or, you know, they just didn't have the stamina to do it. So, um, you know, there, everyone was doing some fantastic work, but when, um, I really started to look into what Freeset was doing, they were, they were just the whole package. And, you know, as a woman, they were taking care of the whole woman. So, you know, there was medical insurance and, reading and writing and training on how to budget and obviously employment. And then just a whole host of things. They even pay into a retirement fund so that, you know, they have money at the end of the time that they're going to be working. And as a girl, I just thought, I mean, gosh, like who doesn't want to be taken care of? Mm. Who doesn't want to know that they're going to be taken care of? And so it was just, it was just a really great program altogether. So that just really resounded with me as a woman because you know, they were taking care of them 
as well as, you know, the retirement part, I just really, I loved that because it's, you know, it just not only spoke of the value that they had towards women that had come out of the sex trade, but that, you know, they would value them beyond the years they would work for them. And many of them, you know, they were like wife number three of, you know, someone or the husband was never there. I mean, just you know, absolutely no ability to care for themselves, to provide for themselves, except for something like preset. So, you know, I loved all the groups that I worked with, but just, you know, I think as a, as a woman, um, and then we started having kids and then I, you know, began to just think like, if, if it was just me and my kids, how would I manage this? You know, and all the women that, you know, we, we served and we worked for had so many kids just because there was no money for birth control, even if, they had wanted that ability. They're just, you know, culturally or financially, we're not able to. So, you know, you weren't just supporting moms and people that, you know, needed employment. You were supporting families and generations. Wow. And I just loved that whole aspect of it. That's so awesome. Okay. So tell everyone um, what kind of products does Freeset offer? They do bags and t shirts and they do them um, really well. I mean, I, I left. Worldcrafts to go work with um, Freeset USA, which is the U.S. division of what Freeset did, you know, U.S. extension, and got asked all the time to, you know, have other stuff. Yeah. Because people really loved the the model of women coming out of trafficking, um, you know, or preventatively. We were looking at the time, well, still are, they're still doing, um, looking at preventative work in a lot of the villages you know, setting up some community development so that families have sustainable income so that, you know, they don't ever have to make a choice between food or their kids. Wow. And so, um, like, for, probably for about the last year, I had a lot of people asking me, you know, well, can they do this? Can they do that? And it's just, you know, one of the struggles when you work with impoverished people, especially people that have come out of the sex trade, is that there just has been a lot of trauma. You know, already there, there's a good likelihood that they've not been you know, well-nourished during their lifetime. And so the, the top capacity of their mental and physical abilities is not there. But then when you add on all the trauma, a lot of the women do not, they don't have the memory capacity to do complex things day in and day out. And there's some women that, you know, will never learn how to sew. They just can't remember the steps. They've endured too much. You know, God has not created us to endure that kind of trauma and then bounce back and just be like, hey, that was great. Nothing happened to me. Um, so they so literally... The sex trafficking that they have been through has caused physical and mental damage to the point where they cannot follow directions. Yeah, complex directions. And so we've, you know, that, that, I mean, that to me, I have never, ever, I mean, people talk about sex trafficking and they talk about rehabilitation. And I think of, you know, the emotional level. And I'd never considered that it could actually impact following directions. I mean, as a speech pathologist, like that is. Like traumatic brain injury, basically. Yeah, it really is. And some of it, you know, has been from physical abuse. But, you know, by and large, it's just the combination of, you know, terrible health and and tremendous trauma. And so, you know, just like any other group, the model that Freeset had was that every woman can work there and have a job regardless of their skill set. They're hired not based on what they can do, but based on who they are. Wow. Which is, you know, a creation fully made in the image of God. And so everybody has a place there. And even if it's just tying, you know, tags onto the bags, um, you know, that's, that's significant. And one of the things I was always looking for was things that, you know, products that were really basic because, you know, 
that the number of those kind of women were only going to grow. Yeah. Okay. So where exactly is Freeset located? Now it's located in Virginia. Um, the companies moved there just to have a little bit more um, edge on the coast. Yeah. And but so, like the gals that are making the product, where are they located? Oh, they're, they're in Calcutta, India. Okay. So that's where all of the product is made is in mm-hmm. Calcutta. Okay. And then while you were working there, there was actually a national news story um, that involved Freeset and um, a horrible, tragic event. Um, do you want? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was an event that was just one of those crazy things that God uses for good in a lot of ways. Um, we had uh, several shipments coming to us in August. So it's been a year ago now. And you can only, with UPS, you can only send two tons at a time, which, wow. you know, sounds so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I had been to Freeset in August and saw, you know, this huge shipment that we had. It was all of our fall inventory. I had seen it. I got to see it boxed up and packed away and everything. And then it got sent out in two separate shipments because it was actually a total of three tons. And so they sent the first one out when I was there. And then I think the day that I left, they sent the second one out. And it um, always goes to Louisville, Kentucky first. And so that's where they clear for customs. UPS has a huge hub there that they clear with. And so it got cleared and um, just in a, in a odd set of circumstances, one of the shipments got held up on the coast with a mechanical error on the plane. Mm. And so um, it all ended up being in Louisville at the same time. So they just put it all on one UPS plane and headed to Birmingham. Well, the 14th of August, I was still, I had gotten back four or five days prior to that. And so I was still getting up really early from jet lag and at like 5.30 or 6 in the morning, a CNN alert came up on my phone that a UPS crash had, had happened in Birmingham, Alabama. And I thought, well, that's weird. Mm. And I turned on the TV. I was, you know, had done my devotional and I saw like this UPS plane just lit up in flames. Mm. And I thought, oh, I just saw all of our stuff leave. Surely, surely it's not all on there. And I, you know, had the tracking number. So I immediately tracked it and both shipments had, you know, accident pending. Oh my heavens. And I thought, I mean, there's no way they could both be on there because we sent them separately. And then I started to track, you know, because every every step of the way they have to log in and scan and track what happened to the shipment. And sure enough, they had both been put on that plane and they were all on there. And, you know, the horrible part about all of it was that the the pilots had had died in the crash. And I, I think this week, just this week, they've released the cause of it. And it was um, a mechanical failure on some of the landing gear, which is just horrendous and so so senseless um and so um we that day i'd had a i was in an executive nonprofit coaching seminar i had done it it was a year-long program and one of ours was that day and it was just a god-given thing because i had all these really great sharp people around me that just really set the course for um the lord to do some amazing things and um all throughout the day, you know, all I heard were these complaints about things that had been lost. You know, there was a shipment of wedding dresses that was on there. And so there were girls that were just upset about that and people's computers and, you know, just different things that were on there. And I, I just was so shocked because I thought, I mean, what if it had been my husband? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I just kissed him early in the morning and 
it was a routine flight and that mm-hmm. was it. I mean, mm-hmm. I just would have been horrified. And so in an effort to just really have a different attitude, one that, you know, I think our whole team felt like the Lord would really honor. Um, we printed a t-shirt because Freeset does bags and t-shirt and the t-shirts and the prophet went to the families of the pilots. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a really, um, it was just a really amazing season because we were able to really just pray and minister to them. And, um, you know, I still don't know a whole lot about their religious backgrounds, but um, I think in that kind of time in your life, it doesn't really matter what, you know, what people believe or not believe. The fact that they know people are praying for you just really helps. And so it was just a great ministry opportunity. And, you know, of course the, the women, when they were told that everything they had spent months to make was just completely destroyed, mm. was hard for them too because you know they had they had worked and worked and worked for it all to be done, and then it was lost. And so, um, but then exactly ten days after the crash happened, they were able to pull a bunch of stuff off of the debris field. And I had I had been out to the field, and it just you know you can't you couldn't go too too far, but it looked like from everything I had seen that there were a lot of our boxes out there on the field. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, it had rained like three successive days, the day of the crash and afterwards. So I thought, well, things are just going to be completely trashed, even if there are. And as the Lord would have it, half of the shipment was salvageable. Wow. Wow. And sellable. And so they, they delivered um, 10 or 11 pallets and we were able to sell and use a good bit of that. And it was just really, it was an amazing time. And, you know, just the the blogging community and, you know, the Illum community and just so many people that are connected with Compassionate Justice uh, really just came out of the woodwork. And it was just, it was a really great time. Um, I would definitely do it all again just for the publicity for good. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, was out there. I mean, we had interviews with like Huffington Post and Shepard Smith. I mean, it was just, it was the craziest thing. But I mean, so nothing were, that you could have ever orchestrated on your own. No, certainly not for free. <laughs> and to and to have a tragedy do that. I mean, yeah, and just you've for, got the good that can come from a horrible, horrible situation. Yeah, and just you know, like even the the Ferguson thing several weeks ago. You know, you just I think all of us found ourselves wanting some good out of that. Yeah, and there was just none left to none left to be there, and yeah. so just the opportunity to provide something positive in the midst of, you know, oh, another horrible news story. It was just really, I think, a blessing for everybody. And um, it was just, you know, it was not something that I could have planned or orchestrated. And, um, and you know, we know our UPS guys really well now <laughs> <laughs> wow. and have a great relationship with them. And um, wow. But, you know, yeah, the Lord does turn beauty into ashes. And that was an amazing experience. And last ashes, year ashes into beauty, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I reversed literal, it. Yeah, literal ashes of a plane, yeah. the burning. And last year being at Illum and just seeing, you know, so many people that had prayed and Logan um Wolfram, who heads up Illum, had orchestrated this amazing effort with Pure Charity to raise funds for, you know, basically the the balance of expenses that would that, you know, we lost from from the revenue so that the women could be paid and that helped tremendously. And I mean, it was wow. just, it was some, there was it some was a community stuff. effort. It was really, it really awesome. was. And yeah. it was just a great picture of how, when you do what he calls us to do and work as the body, 
um, it really works. It does work. And so it was, it was amazing, but definitely not something I could have planned. (laughs) Well, speaking of work and how it works, um, you're at a new exciting, um, opportunity or you have a new opportunity with a new place called work of worth. And that's right. um, Would you tell us about that? Cause, um, when you told me that I was like, Oh, this is super exciting. So what's going on with that? Well, I had, um, of course I knew several groups that, um, helped with ending trafficking and then worked with, you know, one that was probably the biggest one, um, at the time ending trafficking with free set. And I always really wrestled with the volume of groups that would come and ask for help because they saw how well free set worked and the things that we did really well. And I was just, you know, I always helped as much as I could, but I mean, we had a really full plate, especially after the UPS crash and, um, about two and a half years ago, someone, a friend of mine that I had known from the internship program at Sanford University, which is local to Birmingham, had gone to India and come back. And he said, you know, Chrissy, we just, we need to start something to help these people here. And I mean, I, I smiled and I was like, Barry, that's a great idea. But I, I mean, I'm full. I, I can't, I cannot have any side projects. You know, my husband travels. I've got two small kids. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was a lot. Um, And then he asked me again a year later and then the UPS crash happened and it was just, you know, everything was crazy after that. Um, Well, last year at the end of the year in 2013, I went to this conference and did a lot of um, import export sessions and social media sessions to field personnel that did some sort of um, enterprise work on the field, like aquaponics or, you know, coffee shop, um, handcrafted stuff, you know. What's aqua? What did you say? That was that? Aquaponics. It's when you grow fish um, as like it's basically a fish hatchery, but it's all done with special aquaponic type stuff. <laughs> okay. Can't really. All right. I, so just a way for them to have like a fishing yeah, it was all business. Inter- yeah, it was all enterprising. Okay. In areas, you know, basically um, having supporting entrepreneurs so that they could be sustainably employed. But not all of it was handcrafted. But I was there for the you know, artisan wing basically. And I mean, it was just really, it was over a hundred people there and it was just an amazing time personally for me because you know, the, the odd things that I have in my head, nobody ever really needs here. I mean, who cares or wants to know how to import stuff, but then, you know, I was at a whole conference for people that really mattered to them. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like that you were, you were with your people. So at the end of the week at the conference, there was, um, one of the head guys, we were debriefing about the week and, um, you know, he was just thanking me for being there. And I was, you know, it's one of those things every time you go overseas, like you think you're going to be so grateful and you end up just leaving more grateful than you ever thought you could possibly be and just more changed. And he, you know, we were just running through some things and he was thanking me and he said, so I just, you know, I really want to know. And can you explain to me how you have said no to all of these people this whole week? So I didn't really have an answer for him because I had, you know, I hadn't really said no, but I had not said yes either. And there were just so many needs and so many people that needed help. And I really wrestled with that. Um, really over the last, over the last six months had really wrestled with it. And he, you know, he said that week, he said, well, I think in six months you're going to call me and you're going to tell me you're ready to start something mm. and, and, and I'm, I'm going to help you fund it. Wow. And I, I looked at him and I said, well, Neil, that's very prophetic of you. But I, I mean, I'm settled. I'm good. Things are fine. And I'm, you know, this is what I'm called to do. I'm really happy. And sure enough, in May, six months later, I called him 
and said, I, you know, you were right. And he didn't, when I called him, Heather, he didn't even say like, hello, how are you? He said, all right, are you ready? Oh my heavens. I've been waiting. <laughs> I was like, you've been waiting? He said, yeah, it's been six months. Oh my heavens. And so in an effort to really help on a more global scale to end trafficking, but also the preventative side of, you know, providing people that are at high risk of being trafficked the opportunity to be sustainably employed. So that they don't um, even seek out any opportunity that could be dangerous or... That's right. That's yeah, right. Or yeah. if the opportunity from a person that is a trafficker, although yeah. is cloaked as someone else, yes. you know, comes to the family, then the family automatically has an answer because they are sustainably yes. employed and have, you know, that's not an issue for them. And so in an effort to to provide that, I... Barry had asked me again, you know, in the spring, and I said, yes, this time. And so it's groups like Freeset, you know, but it'll be globally. Right now, it's just sort of in Southeast Asia. And that's primarily, it's because that's what I know. And it's because it's a really high, heavy trafficked area. Yeah. Um, but so it's all miniature groups with, you know, diverse, huge, diverse product lines, everything from home decor to jewelry to purses to accessories and just, you know, we'll sort of just keep marching on in different things. But the goal is to support these groups that, you know, ordinarily would not have any outlets for buyers at all ever and to help them sustainably have orders. And one of the things that I really learned about myself working with Freeset over the last four years was that I was really good and gifted at partnerships. And so like I had all these friends at, you know, Dayspring and Lifeway and Hallmark and Hobby Lobby and, you know, they were looking for a diversified product line. I mean, they had been asking me for like the last year, can Freeset do this? Can they do that? And I was consistently having to tell them no. Yeah. And I could point them to someone else, but I couldn't broker it myself because I just didn't have time. So it never went anywhere because they didn't have the experience or the, or the patience or even the, you know, the brain space to do it. And so I've been able to go back to these people and, you know, offer them a more diversified selection. And I mean, the Lord has just really done some amazing things. And it's just been great because, you know, here you've got people that were looking for cause-related products because they had a market that wanted it. And here you've got groups that really needed a better distribution outlet, but they didn't know how to connect. Yeah. And so, you know, I've been able to be in a position to do that and further you know, the work in that capacity. And it's just been great. And you know what I love, Christy? And the reason I wanted to have you on the God Center Mom podcast is you are a prime example of taking experience, the fact that you know international living, you are comfortable, um, like how, exactly how you phrased it, with the pace and the speed of um, another country. You took your experience and then you took your giftedness of um, connecting people and um marketing and just being willing to have conversations and you took all of your gifts and all of your experience and you intersected them to do things for God's glory and to help people. And that's what I really want to inspire women who are moms. I mean, you're a mom, you're doing this, you're still, you mm-hmm. know, that they can do that. Look at what God did not give you all the experiences in your life to be wasted. He gave them to you for a purpose and he did not. And he gave you strengths, even if you don't see them. If you feel like your only strength is changing diapers and making meals and doing dishes, that's not true. You have strengths and you have gifts and you are wired for a specific purpose. And that's right. And even if 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 it's the intersection is even something that you're taking on at your church, on a local, in a local community, it's inviting people over for a Bible study, whatever it is, really look into that. Really stop and think, pray, God, show me what experience do I have? What skill sets do I have? And how do those 
weave together for your glory. And um, I just I think had it's someone super in, cool. Super cool. I had someone in college that um, told me, and I, I have not, I have found this to be true every single time, that you know what you're passionate about when it makes your heart beat fast. Mm, that's a good and, one. You know, all of us that are moms, our kids are going to make our heart beat fast, but there will be attributes about them or things that come across, you know, our own journey that make our heart beat fast. And those are the things that I think God really leans into us as our sweet spot. Mm, yeah. And, you know, all of us love our children and we're going to, you know, have that pace for them. But there could be things about them like homeschooling or discipleship or you know, special needs that make your heart beat fast about them. And that's not an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I just, you know, it took me a while to really realize that like my life experience really was for this. I had a friend a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about different things. And she said, well, you know, I know that the last few weeks have just been crazy and challenging, but I'm not sure if you see it, but it's written all over you that mm-hmm. this is who you are and this is what you were made for. And wow. I've really just chewed on that, that, you know, a lot of times people see what we're made for long before we ever see it ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, there's no like, I'm just X or I'm, you know, I'm just involved. There's no just anything because God, that's not how he works. Yeah. He works as I am and I've equipped you for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I am really, with you and I am with you. And if he is with us and he's the creator, then we're we're automatically amazing. That's right. So I've really tried to take the just out of my yeah. vocabulary and out of my whole thought process because there is no small thing in the kingdom. Yeah. Um, you know, the small, like I teach, try to teach my kids every day, you know, you, you have small obedience that leads to bigger obedience. And if you're obedient in the small things, God will entrust larger things in your life. Yeah. And, you know, what you're being obedient in may feel small or may seem small to other people, but that's not their road. This is your road. Yeah. And that small act of obedience will then allow you to be entrusted with bigger things. I mean, if I had not left Worldcrafts and obeyed to do free set, I would never in in a million years be prepared for what he's called me to now. Yeah. No. Because I wouldn't have had the relationships, I wouldn't have had the experience, the experience you know, yeah. all of those things. And I mean, I sure didn't see it then. Yeah. But I mean, I can look back now, you know, hindsight's always 2020. And so, you know, I just I would just really encourage if no matter how big or small of a step you think whatever makes your heart be fast is to just continue to pursue it because he definitely has great things in mind for what he's placed you for. And nobody is exempt from that. You know, none of us are just anything to be exempt from great things for the kingdom. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> and along with um, this podcast, I have curated some things I've found off of her current collection, her current work of worth collection that I've kind of put together that y'all can Mm -hmm. check out and definitely go check out the shop. And it's very reasonably priced. And if you're looking for, you know, even if you want to be super organized and get some gifts for teachers now for Christmas, I mean, do that. That's right. You'll be, you'll be set. Christmas will come. You'll be like, done, check. Um, There's some yeah, we're stuff. doing a really fun, exclusive curated collection, and Heather's one of them, and I'm so excited because you're amazing, and it's just no. so fun to see your picks and things. So yeah, definitely check them out because she has fabulous tastes. Well, I don't know. That was some cool stuff. I had a hard time picking. Yeah. Honestly, I was like, can I pick 20 or – okay, okay. She said <laughs> – she said four to five. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really cool, and thank you, Christy, for taking time in your – 
vacation to chat with us and share your story. Um, and I'm going to put all the links to everything she mentioned in the show notes so you can find those there. And um, I hope you stay connected and follow Christy's journey over at Work of Worth and on all their social media outlets for when they get new products and different partnerships. So thanks, Christy. Thanks. I appreciate it. Blessings. Awesome. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.